Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Well, good morning, City of Refuge. Uh, my name is Brandon Freeman, and uh, I am the equipping pastor here at the church, as well as being a part of the preaching team. Uh, it's a pleasure to get to be with you this morning. So we are on our final week of our study on the topic of rest and Sabbath. And I'm hoping that over the last couple of weeks that you have captured a vision for what rest and what keeping Sabbath might look like in your life. We have talked the last couple of weeks about how uh, important rest and Sabbath are both to us and also how important it is to God. We see that God modeled this in creation, that he creates over the period of six days and then on the seventh day he ceases from his work. Uh, We saw this modeled by Jesus during his time on earth where he would get away with his disciples for a time of quiet and of rest. We saw it in the Ten Commandments, tied in with both God's creation story as well as a a retelling of the story of creation. Uh, We talked about what are some of the heart issues that keep us from resting. We talked about how pride and gluttony and fear can keep us from being willing to enter into rest, be willing to enter into Sabbath. And then last week, Uh, John laid before us this choice that we have of how, if you look at the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy, it talks about how the Jews were to keep Sabbath because God had brought them out of slavery. It was something that they got to do because they were no longer slaves. And now we have a similar choice. Are we going to walk in patterns of Sabbath and rest like free people, or, or are we going to walk in slavery to our tasks, and to these heart issues of pride, gluttony, and fear. Well, there's been a lot of discussions going on behind the scenes in community groups and uh, seminars and things like that uh, regarding rest this month. And there's a couple of questions that have come up. Questions about how, how do I practically do this? How do I practice rest and Sabbath well How do I make decisions about what I do on my Sabbath? What do I make decisions about what I don't do on my Sabbath? What day do I do my Sabbath? And there's also this kind of lingering, lurking fear. Because if you know your Bible, there are definitely some places where there were some people who were really good at keeping Sabbath, who were really good at this discipline of resting from work every seven days, had actually come up with a whole lot of rules about how to do that, and yet we're missing the point. So how do I avoid some of those pitfalls? How do I not let Sabbath become something that is a legalistic duty in my life? How do I keep Sabbath without falling into legalism? So I want to enter this last week, by talking about how do we navigate some of those questions. This uh, this is going to be a little bit more maybe on the teaching side than on the preaching side this morning, but I wanted to take some time to really talk through how do we think through those questions well from a practical perspective. And to do that, I want to look at a couple of places in Colossians that I think are helpful as we navigate those choices. And I want to begin with Colossians 2, verses 16 through 17. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. 
It's Colossians 2.16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So in this section of Colossians, and actually a lot of Colossians is dealing with this, Paul is addressing some false teaching that has been coming up in the church. And there's, there's a number of different facets to that false teaching, but one of the most important aspects seems to have been this idea that in addition to faith with Jesus, there was something else that people needed to be doing in order to be right with God. There was some kind of law keeping, some kind of going back to the Old Testament and grabbing some of those practices, and we need that in addition to Christ in order to be saved. And here it explicitly mentions some of the festivals and the keeping of Sabbath. And he's saying to them, don't let people pass judgment on you with regards to the keeping of these things. Well, great. So then are we just like free to do whatever we want? Is Sabbath no longer important? Well, not quite. Throughout Paul's letters, he is kind of talking in absolute extremes, dealing with two groups of people probably more than that, but there's two that I want to talk about today. One is the legalists. And legalists, to give some definition to that, some characteristics of what legalism is, is, like I said earlier, salvation coming through some kind of adherence to the law. It's Jesus plus something. Sometimes that something is the keeping of Sabbath. Sometimes that's keeping the food laws. Whatever that is, it's Jesus plus. It's not salvation in Jesus alone. And it's typically characterized by pretty strict adherence to particular practices, and very often those practices go beyond what is actually stipulated in the Bible. So they come up with a lot of rules to make sure that they're keeping these, these practices as carefully as they can. And there's a fear that comes with legalism. It's a fear of things that require wisdom, things that require nuance, things that require discernment, things that might mean that practices among different people might look a little bit different. And quite often, there's also a healthy dose of judgment against those who do not follow those rules. That's something I think you see played out a lot in Jesus' interactions with the Pharisees in the Gospels. Now, when regards to our own practice of keeping Sabbath, I do think that legalism is something that we should be on guard against, but should also not be something that we're afraid of. And I even think that sometimes it can become a bit of a scapegoat. So I would say... If you aren't keeping Sabbath right now at all, you are probably not in danger of being a legalist with regards to keeping Sabbath. So don't let fear of legalism keep you from pursuing some of these practices. But there's an opposite extreme that Paul also has to deal with in a lot of his letters, including in Colossians, which is the idea that there, there is no law. Anything goes. We're all free to do whatever we want. And if you want the like 10 cent theological word that you can impress your, your Zoom friends with, it's called antinomianism. This idea that there is no law, anyone can do whatever they want, there should be no social norms. And an antinomian, someone who believes that, fears anything that might put requirements or boundaries on their freedoms. 
And ironically enough, there's very often a healthy dose of judgment towards anyone who thinks differently or who tries to tell them they ought to do something. So in a lot of Paul's letters, when he's talking to the church, he's talking to these two groups, groups that lean more towards the, hey, I want to keep these rules, and others that are like, well, I'm totally free and I can do whatever I want. So how does Paul help them navigate those two things. The answer, I don't think, is to find some middle point between the two. But I think there is a third path that Paul talks about, which is the path of Christ-centered wisdom in decision-making with regards to how we practice our faith and, by extension, how we practice our Sabbath. And I think this Christ-centered wisdom applies to a lot of the things that we would need to decide about in order to keep rest well, in order to keep Sabbath well. Like, what day do you keep your Sabbath? What do you say no to on your Sabbath? What do you say yes to on your Sabbath? What do you do? These are the things that there is some biblical guidance for, but for the most part, the New Testament context, there is quite a bit of Christian freedom about what you do, right? The Bible's not going to tell you, hey, at 2 p.m. on your Sabbath, you need to be doing this and this and this, and you need to not be doing that. Now, this confronts legalists because it calls on us to believe that there isn't a rule for everything, that we might actually have to enter into some wisdom and discernment about how we keep Sabbath. But it also confronts the antinomians, those who think there is no law, because there are some very real things that the Bible is calling us to, that there is a way of life that is laid out in the scriptures that is both pleasing and glorifying to God and also good for us. And I think with regards to Sabbath, that is what we've seen, is that there is this, this practice of entering into rest. There is this, this thing that we are seeking in terms of rest that is pleasing to God, that is something he has called us to, that he's called us to cease from our labors every seven days. And and so there is a way of life. There might be some things that put some boundaries on what we would do on a Sabbath. There might be some things that put some, some guidance on what we would choose or not choose to do. I think you see that in a couple of places where what Paul tells the Colossians elsewhere because yes, he tells them here, hey, don't let people judge you with regards to these things. But he also tells them in Colossians 2, 6, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established into faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. He tells them in 3.1, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul's answer isn't just, don't let anyone judge you. His full answer is, whatever is walking in Christ, whatever is done in his name, whatever is glorifying to God, whatever is seeking the things that are above, these are the things that should navigate our choices. And I think that by extension, these are the things how we should navigate all of these questions about how do we keep practice of Sabbath and rest well. I think the answer is not with legalism. The answer is not antinomianism. The answer is with Christ-like, Christ-exalting, Christ-emulating wisdom.
So I want to, in that vein, talk about four principles that I believe help us with what this Christ-centered wisdom looks like. What are questions that we should be asking ourselves as we are making these choices around how we keep Sabbath? The first principle is this. Check your heart. Check your heart motivations to rest, entering into Sabbath. These, these sins of pride and gluttony and fear and, and Paul tells the Colossians, he warns them to put off the old self, to put on the new self. There is a new way of life that they're supposed to be stepping into. And so I think there's room for us to ask some hard questions of ourselves of, of why are we doing or not doing what we're doing on Sabbath? What is our heart disposition? What is our intention with us, with it? It certainly applies to if we keep Sabbath at all, but also with the things that we choose to do or not do. Are we just doing the things that we do because, hey, that sounds pleasurable to me? Or are we doing it because it honestly helps us to seek after God? Are we just turning our Sabbaths into an extension of our gluttony, giving us room for these other things that we want to do just for our own pleasure? Is it something that we are being prideful about looking at down at others because, hey, we've got this really cool Sabbath that we put together. Is it something that we have a fear around where we're letting what other people might think about us govern what we decide to do and not do on our Sabbath? We need to check our hearts. It's the first principle. The second is this. Pursue and emulate Christ. In, Paul, in Colossians 31, Paul says to seek the things that are above and to put to death what is earthly in you in 3.5. And I think this is another very good reference point for what you do on your Sabbath. It's true of everything that we do. But I think on our Sabbath, we have a unique opportunity to give even greater focus to Jesus, to give even greater focus to God because we are not engaging in our normal patterns of work so ask, what would be the things that would facilitate your pursuing of Jesus on your Sabbath? And with that, emulating Jesus. We see when, when Jesus wanted to get away, what did he do? He withdrew to a quiet place. He entered into times of prayer, in discernment, into seeking the heart of the Father. That is what Jesus did in his times of rest. And we would be wise to do the same. Third principle Pursuing rest with community. So we've been talking a lot about how do we keep rest individually, but there is a communal aspect of this that is really important both for the, the deciding what to do as well as the actual practice of it. And I mean, I think this goes back to the Old Testament. The, the command to keep Sabbath was not just for individuals. And it, it explicitly talks about that, right? In the households, it would say, hey, not just you, but all those in your household are supposed to keep Sabbath together. They even gave their animals a day off, right? Like there was a, a community and, and creation aspect to how they rested and how they kept Sabbath. So when you're considering, hey, what does my Sabbath look like? What day am I going to do it? What am I going to do on that? What am I not going to do on that? How can you promote not just you resting, but also those in your circle resting well, those in your community resting well? That could be your family 
That could be your community group. That could be your roommates. Talk to them about how to do this. One of the things we talked about yesterday at the, the men's seminar, we did a, a men's seminar yesterday on this topic of, of kind of how do you practically live this out. One of the things we emphasized is if, if you're married, you need to talk to your spouse about what you're doing on Sabbath. Because boy, if you just wake up on a Saturday morning and you have not talked about it and you turn to your spouse and say, hey, I'm not doing anything today, that may not go well. Right? Like there is an aspect where you all need to be on the same page in this and work out how you as a family can Sabbath well together. But I think there's another aspect of this whole community thing, which is that for some of us, the practice of resting well, the practice of keeping Sabbath well, is actually really hard. We do not have these disciplines built into our life. And, and these, these things that we maybe do have in our life, the pride, the gluttony, and fear, like they are really there in our lives and we have a fight to do that. And this may be something where you need help from others to really make this happen. You may need help figuring out how to shape your Sabbath. You may need accountability for ways, for, how to, for doing it, just having someone to say, hey, did you keep Sabbath this week? So I think, I know my own inclination, and maybe this is just my disposition, but I don't think it is. I think for a lot of us, there is this inclination that for things like this, we want to keep it to ourselves. We want to kind of figure it out on our own. We want to do it on our own. And I think there is a real call. Christian wisdom and Christian living is supposed to be done in community with others. So three principles so far. Check your heart motivations. Pursue and emulate Christ. Pursue rest with community. The fourth is this. Consider your witness. One of the things that we saw in the last couple of weeks as we talked about the practice of Sabbath is that it actually is an opportunity for witness. If you look at the Ten Commandments, both in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, each of those commands to take Sabbath is actually tied with a story. It's tied first with the story of creation, and then later it's, it's with the story of them coming out of Egypt and being pulled out of slavery. Now, I want you to, to put yourself in the shoes for just a second of someone who is visiting ancient Israel, okay? And if you, were there, if you were there in ancient Israel and you were a visitor, you would have to keep Sabbath with them. That was part of the command. Now, this practice was not common. And so this was something that would have been set apart. So you can imagine that conversation where the person's sitting there saying, why, why don't y'all work today? Well, we don't work because we believe that there is a God who created everything. We believe there is a God that owns all of this, that has the power to do all of this. And by keeping Sabbath, we tell that story every week. Well, how do you, how do you get to do this? How can, you, how can you afford to do this? Aren't you worried about your livelihood? Well, let me tell you a story about how God brought us out of Egypt and how because of that, he told us that we no longer have to be slaves. We now get to be free people and that we get to take this Sabbath rest. 
And he promised that he would provide for us. And we're trusting him. The Sabbath was, yes, something for the people, but it was also a way that the Sabbath was supposed to tell the story every week of who God was and what he was done and how great he is. And I think that that same opportunity sits with us now. I don't know if you look around the world, I don't see a whole lot of this being the norm of people really stepping into seasons of rest and quiet, of really pulling away from their normal work and recreations and all of that in order to sit and honor God. This is a way that we tell the story of the fact that we are Christ followers and that we too have been bought with a price. We too have been pulled out of slavery to sin. And now because of that, we get to enter into rest. Both the rest of Sabbath, but most importantly, the rest that we find in Jesus Christ. So I think that that leads to a question that we would have as we think about what would we do on a Sabbath? When would we do it? How would we do it? How can you keep Sabbath in such a way that it retells that story well? That it's a witness to the fact that you are now free in Christ. Now, I know that these have been very kind of high-level principles, Check your heart motivations. Pursue and emulate Christ. Pursue rest of the community and considering your witness. That's not going to necessarily answer every question. You probably still have things you feel like you have to discern in your keeping of Sabbath, and that is okay. What I didn't want to do this morning was come and say, hey, you need to do this and this and this, because guess what? That would have been pressing hard into legalism. But what I want to do is to invite you into a time of prayerful discernment about what Sabbath should look like in your life. For some of you, that means it's time to make a commitment to a day. That was one of the things that I strongly encouraged at the seminar yesterday. If you not have not committed to, hey, I'm going to keep this day as a Sabbath, it is going to be very hard to ever make all the decisions you would need to make that happen. For others of you, you're wrestling with questions of what should, I, what should I cut? What is work? What is removing work on that day look like for me? What, what would I do that would help me grow towards Christ? Like those are great questions to be asking. And I hope that some of these principles will help you navigate those choices. Ultimately, our goal is to please God and we are ultimately accountable to God for our Sabbaths. And at the end of our day of rest, our Sabbath is about him, about his glory and the delight in being with him. And that should be what we focus on as we figure out what we are supposed to do. Um, if you're part of a community group, or maybe you would want to do this in your family, I want to challenge you to consider planning out your Sabbath with your community group. This isn't so much a discussion question as it is maybe a, a topic, a time for sharing. One of the things that was really valuable that we did yesterday was we took time to just share with each other what we do, what we don't do in our Sabbaths. And I think that was a really helpful exercise for a lot of us uh, who are not as familiar with what a Sabbath could look like. So if you're a part of a community group, I want to invite you to try applying these principles as a group together. Try having a conversation around hey, what would it look like to plan out our Sabbath together? So 
as we end our season of studying rest, um, our hope is that this will not just be a flash-in-the-pan kind of topic. I think for John and I, as we were doing this series, our hope is that we become a church that is characterized by resting well. Because ultimately, I think that will lead us to be much more effective in our witness, much more effective in our pursuit of Jesus together, and honestly, just a much more joyful community. So although we're moving from this topic in a way we are not, we're getting ready to have Global Missions Sunday next week, and then after that, we're going to be uh, going into Jesus' farewell address in John 13 through 17 and really looking at this topic of what does it mean for us to be unified as a body in the midst of diversity. But I hope even as we move to those things that we will not end this conversation about Sabbath, that we will not end this conversation about rest. Because I believe in this year, in addition to calling us to unity, if we're going to do that well, if we are going to be unified well, if we're going to have some of the hard conversations and heart uh, confrontations that we're going to have to really understand unity well, we as a body are going to need to be doing so from a place of rest and trust in God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this, consider what rest looks like both individually and corporately. And I pray, God, that you would continue to do the work in our hearts to enter into that rest well, that we would heed those commands, but also do so with great wisdom and grace and charity towards one another. I pray, God, that as we are making decisions about when to keep Sabbath and how to keep Sabbath and how to enter into good patterns of rest on a daily, weekly, maybe even yearly way, God, that, Lord, you would show us your way. And that from that, we would grow to love you more and be closer to you and to each other. All these things I pray in your precious and holy name. Amen.